episode of the Restoration Today podcast is brought to you by Restoration Brokers of America. Did you know that 80% of businesses are unsellable? Let RBA work with you to ensure you maximize the value of your business when you decide it's time for a change. You've worked hard to build it. Let RBA work hard to sell it. Visit sellmyrestorationbusiness.com for more information. Hello there. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today we're talking about something that I don't think I've ever talked about on my podcast. I'm about a year and a half into the Restoration Today podcast, had one prior to that, and I don't know that I've really ever talked to anybody about how to turn around a failing company and also the importance of training your project managers and that level of person within your company. We talk a lot about training technicians, training senior leadership, but very very often we're not talking about the those middle people within your companies and training them up. So I am joined by Rod Cruz today. He is the founder and chief growth officer of Trifecta Growth Institute. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Rod over the last few months as we've worked together with some advertising and some articles and those kinds of things. And I'm really excited to have Rod here today to share a lot of his expertise on how to turn around a failing company and also to talk about training those project managers and those middle level people within your company. So Rod, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm going to toss it over to you and have you share a little bit about your background and what Trifecta is. Sure. Uh, first of all, Michelle, thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity and, uh, you know, I love all your podcasts and uh, really appreciate what you're doing for the industry with it, with CNR Magazine. Thank and, you. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, like you said, I'm the chief uh, growth officer and founder of Trifecta Growth Institute. Um, the uh, Prior to that, I'm a 21-year Army veteran as well. Uh, I was in the Green Berets and Rangers and uh, was all over the world for for majority of that in places like Afghanistan, Colombia, Iraq, um, and a few other countries I probably can't even tell you about that uh, you've never heard of. So it's uh, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I first got my introduction to project manager, management as the article I wrote for uh, you guys this this month. Yep. Uh, since then, I've been in the construction and restoration business, you know, going on 15 years now and uh, have owned and I've <clears throat> started up owned companies, sold companies. Uh, I, have a, I have a little knack for turning around failing organizations uh, from the from my previous years as well. So that's kind of why I uh, kind of talk about it a little bit and some of the, the facets of it. Uh, but today, Trifecta, you know, we're we're focused on elevating the restoration industry, mm-hmm. and uh, and that is raising the bar within it. I think it's a great industry. It's a growing industry. It has a lot to offer, as as many of you guys know. Uh, but you know, there is a there is a little bit of stigma to it, and we need to overcome that by increasing our industry professionals and also our business reputations and images. Yes, perfect. Well, thank you very much for your service. I'll start there and talk a little bit about this is a really good industry for veterans. I know we're kind of going off track here a little bit, but what drew you into this industry being a veteran and coming out of like active duty, stuff like that? Well, I mean, I started out within, you know, within Special Forces or Green Berets that we have different skill sets. And uh, I started out as an enlisted guy and I was an engineer. Um, And we were always building schools, helping schools out, helping things in foreign countries. And so that kind of, it was kind of a natural fit yep. for me. Uh, growing up as a farmer and my dad was a truck driver, you know, I wasn't really uh, bashful of hard work, but uh, it just kind of fit with me. And then as I became, you know, in the military, I grew up from being in that project management engineering world to become an officer and then running these things. So 
when I got out, you know, I'd started a business. We in training and education, um, we had, you know, just all over the place. We put in worked with a lot of electrical contractors overseas. We did project management with them. You know, projects all the way up over a hundred million dollars. Uh, putting in power set power stations, uh, modular data centers with NASA, Air Force, and that aspect of it. And uh, and even now, I have another company. We build uh, wind tunnels. If you premier if I fly. Ooh. We uh, we did, we just built one here in the Springs. We did one in Detroit and got a few other ones going on. So it's uh and even on the res a uh, residential construction business when I was towards my end of the time in the military. So it's kind of a natural draw, I guess, from that aspect of it. Okay. All right. So let's talk about kind of the failing business aspect. The restoration industry has a lot of turnover of companies. Um, there's always a lot coming and kind of going, especially maybe in the franchise space and little mom and pop shops. So what kind of data or statistics are you aware of, even outside of the restoration industry, when it comes to how often do new businesses survive and how often are businesses failing? You know, well, first of all, I've got a master's degree in industrial engineering, and that's all statistics. <laughs> yes. So I really, okay. So, and all processes and procedures and stuff of that nature. Um, I, I don't put a lot of stats or a lot of a lot of faith in statistics because you can a lot of times manipulate them on how you you know see yeah. fit. Yep. But you know, if you look at like the SBA and stuff like that, they'll say that you know businesses, you know. 30, 20, 20, 25 percent of the business is going to fail the first year and then another 30 percent the next year. And, you know, 50 percent of them are all going to fail by the time they're five years and very few make it. Well, when you is, you know, is that startup businesses we're talking about? Yeah. And, you know, within the restoration industry, you know, it's a pretty defined market at this point. I, I think the biggest thing for them, um, I would say more so, is if you sell the business in that point, you know, what has changed? Why, why was it sellable? First of all, because a lot of businesses are not sellable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't put a lot of stats in it, but what I would say within industry is you've got to look at what you're buying or what you, what you have in that aspect of it. And I kind of tie it to what I consider a business triangle of what fail, what fail, you know, companies fail on. Yep. You know, there's, I look at three sides of a triangle, equal level triangle. On one side, you got your sales and marketing. On the other side, you, you know, second side, you got operations. On the third side, you got finance and administration. If that equal level triangle is not balanced and every leg the same on it, your company will fail. It just depends on how unbalanced it is. And those are the three driving, you know, functions of business. And, if, you know, I use this example quite a bit and I say, you know, if you've got this great sales and marketing department and it's feeding the operations jobs, but your operations is really bad. From one, you're going to get a bad reputation. You're going to get a bad image. You're not going to be able to complete jobs. You're going to have this backlog of pipeline and all of a sudden, your company is never going to have cash flow coming in. So that is, and cash flow is a big deal in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so then you've got to figure out how much is going out, how much is coming in. And so that side of the triangle is going to work. And vice versa, if you've got a great, a, a bad sales and marketing, but a great operations, well, now you've got everybody standing around. And I see a lot of mitigation companies with this. They don't have the jobs coming in. They have a ton of people working it when they shouldn't. They're paying this overhead or they're sending them home and then they lose quality people because they don't have the jobs and they're looking yeah. for a better job, yeah. uh, you know, or, or a consistent job. And then if you just take jobs all the time and you got all these outflows going in, you run out of money. So, you know, that's a very open-ended question and it's a very loaded question. So yes. every company is going to be different of why mm -hmm. they fail. Um, 
but you've got to have a functional business model to start with. And then you've got to understand these, these sides of the triangle functions so of the company so you can be successful and understand why you're failing. So what are some of the like maybe high level early indicators that a business might be in trouble? Like something that owners or top level leadership could be on the lookout for like, oh, we're maybe going a little off the rails here. This might be an early indicator that we need to course correct before things get bad. Sure. You know, the indicators are something that I would say most leaders and business owners, they, they don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at their P&L and they, they, a P&L is not a, a, an indicator. A profit and loss is a, is a history lesson. That's what just happened. Yep. And if you're looking, you know, I, I, I see this with a lot of people I talk with and business owners that we work with. Number one, they're like, well, my P&L, you know, this is what happened. And this is why we're doing it. I'm like, well, you, you don't know what happened. It's only telling you what, what was the outcome. Um, and then this is like the common one. Well, I've got money in my bank account. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm like, well, okay, but you don't have money or you do. So where did that come from? So there, people are looking at their checking accounts to see if they're, you know, that's not going to be a leading indicator either. Yeah. So I, I boil it down in, there's six areas in business that your business will succeed in or fail. And one of them is your vision. And do you have a vision, mission, core value, stuff like that? And is everybody bought in? Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the biggest things. Uh, one of the other, pe- one of the, the second things that would fall into is people. You know, do you have the right people in the right seats? We've heard that many times over, but what does that really mean? You know, I talk about, you got to have people that get it, want it, and have the capacity for it. And mm-hmm. then they got to be trained. They got to know what you're asking them to do, and they got to know how to do it. And it's very hard sometimes to find somebody who's very familiar with the restoration business as an estimator, project manager, coordinator. It's great to find tradesmen. They, you know, that's an easy deal. But like we were talking about in the beginning, that middle level management sometimes are getting thrown to the fire and all they're being, you know, kind of like the article I wrote, Hey, just get it done. You know, yep. and there's no training, there's no understanding behind it or that's like do as we've always done. Worst thing ever. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and I have this little chart. I talk about willing, unwilling, able, unable, mm-hmm. and you, you want to categorize all your categorize all your people in those. And the worst ones are unwilling and unable. You got to get rid of them. So people's a big function of that aspect as well. Uh, the third one I would lo- roll it into would be metrics, data. You know, do you have a balanced scorecard? Do you have something for your company? Do you have a project scorecard? Are you tracking project metrics on that aspect of it? Because if your projects are all failing, you're not generating profitability and you're just killing your overhead. It's a huge piece that drives the PNL. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other things I would talk about would be, you know, the issues aspect of it. What is, do you address issues or do you put them under the table? And that drives your culture, right? It talks yes. about positive culture, transparent uh, culture, enabling, you know, yeah. and can people bring them up or is it, you know what, that's the boss. We don't want to bring anything up on them. And, you know, do you have that defense mechanism up where nobody wants to tell you? Yeah. So that is a huge one. I see all time and time again, you know, and then some of the couple other ones I would probably say that would fall in there is, you know, your processes and procedures, having that framework in there something that you have developed, you know, opposed to having this project manager does it, does it this way, or that project manager does it that way. That's not predictability. It's all over the place. And, you know, but this is the way I've always done it. And that goes into a whole team building process at that point, you know, the storming Norman performing aspect of it. And then the last thing would be, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you function as a business? What is your sound? 
doing in your business? Do you have a battle rhythm that you follow? Because mm-hmm. people like predictability. Yep. And when you allow that to go away, those are the biggest things I think that will cause uh, a business to fail. And pretty much every business I've coached, every business I've ran or been part of, I can put everything into one of those six areas. Okay. So on the flip, sorry, go ahead. So sorry. No, but those are your indicators and you have to be able to figure out how you're going to manage them and measure them. I think it's interesting what you did bring up when you're talking about one of those six criteria culture fits into so many of those. I, in our state of the industry study, everybody said that the biggest draw to their company was culture, but it was just the word culture, which doesn't in and of itself mean anything you could your culture you have everybody has a culture but it could be bad a bad culture that doesn't mean it's good so a lot of what you said does feed right into that good healthy or well good or bad company culture and defines the culture so flipping the question around a little bit then when you walk into a restoration company that's healthy and vibrant and profitable and driving forward growing all those things what are some of the things that you see in in those companies that other restoration companies might be able to adopt and bring into their fold? You know, I, I talk about this. Uh, I've talked about this before in conferences about culture a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always start out and I ask people, how many of you like going to work every day? And, you know, some people raise their hand and then I kind of say, no, really, how many of you like going to work every day? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the hands drop a little more, you know, and you left that. And, and, I, and I tell people, you know, I said, I'm fortunate enough that I have majority of my life, I've enjoyed going to work. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in, in Afghanistan, Iraq, when I knew when I was going to work that people were going to try to kill me, I still <laughs> enjoyed going to work. And, you know, that is one of the things that I tried to bring into my restoration company. Yeah. What is that? Why is it the Green Berets, no matter what the situation is, even though it's not the best, mm-hmm. you know, what makes them get up every day, go do what they want to do, and why are they there? And, you know, as I really thought about that, and I try to replicate that in my company and all my companies I do, I go back to three things. You got to have a positive environment. You have to have the ability that people want to be there. Second of all, which is, which a lot of times shows you genuine concern for people and you're showing them, you're educating them for training. You're providing them the tools that you have or they need to do their work. And I call that enabling. So you got to have that positive culture that is enabling. Stop. You know, nobody wants to be told what to do every day. They want you to tell them where you want to go. And if you have a good vision, they can follow that. But then you want, they want to be enabled. Yep. The ones that are not enabled, they get frustrated. They feel mm-hmm. like they're being told every day and they leave. And the third thing is it's got to be transparent. You know, we're in a society, we're in a, you know, today we're in a society that is very scared to say anything. And, but for the fear that somebody is going to come back upon them, you cannot run a company like that. And especially a restoration company. You have to have transparency. You have to be able to allow your receptionist to be able to vent to you and be able to give her frustrations on why she can't do her job. And, you know, a lot of times I talk about the internal customer. We're always focused on the external customer, but I talk about the internal customer. And that aspect of it is, you know, you have a product, you have a product you're doing as in, and somebody in your company, in your, another department is your customer. They are waiting on an output from you. Whether it's your receptionist took a note and they delivered that note to your project manager estimator, that is a product they are delivering. And that other person can't do their job without that product. And so if you are not catering to your internal customer, you don't have that attitude. That's another reason for a toxic culture. 
Are, is there some technology that you recommend that helps kind of with that internal workflow and that internal like building of systems and processes? Maybe you don't want to recommend a specific software. I don't know, but um, there's a lot out there. So what do you see companies using? You know, I mean, everybody uses Dash or Restoration Manager and those aspects of it. And, you know, we have a great software that people are going to hate me for saying this, but Exact Analysis actually is a great design for project management software for communication. And that's what we're talking about. If you're talking about that aspect, if we're talking about project management information system, you know, there's tons of those out there. Yeah. Um, you know, technology is great to leverage. It is not what is going to make your company the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You have to have processes and procedures in place ahead of time that they yep. that they actually enhance yep. and make it easier for collaboration and those aspects of it. You know, one of the things that you know we tell we teach in and estimator, you know, we have a certification that uh, we're pushing out now for estimators, project managers, and project coordinators. Mm-hmm. That is the heart of everything about processes and procedures yep. in place and having everybody on the same sheet of music that understand that and have that same in common goal. You know, um, once you have that in place, now then you figure out which software is going to enhance your company to do that because you have the structure to put something behind it. If you think you're just going to go out and get the newest click up or whatever it is out there and you don't have any something a foundation that sound footing already established or that framework mm-hmm. it's not going to work for you you're just going to spend money on something you think is solving the problem that really what should be solving the problem is leadership yes okay so also it's also in state of the, in our state of the industry 50% of companies said that they were going to heavily invest in training next year. And I'm, gu- I'm guessing that the other 50% plans to invest some, but a lot a lot of people said that training is going to be a major investment in 2023. Sure. I think we're learning that maybe the WRT, AMRT, ASDs, like that's not enough. There's more training that our people should be going through than those initial certifications, which are good. And I'm guessing that you kind of had the same thing in the military as a Green Beret. Like you learned kind of the technical skills to build those buildings or schools, but there was way more that you learned maybe on the other skill side of things that was way more valuable than how to put some bricks together and build a school, right? So talk about training and the importance of continuing training past those initial certifications that people get when they're first hired into a restoration company. Yeah, I, and this is one of the reasons I created Trifecta Growth Institute. And, you know, I, I base things off three, three, three wins, right? You, mm-hmm. If you have a big problem, you got to be able to solve it. And you got to have some wins in there, some minor steps to get you to that point. As far as training, I mean, I've always received training and it is the catapult to, to, to jumpstarting your company, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, I always say hope is not a method, especially in military operations and birth control, right? <laughs> so you got to plan something out. And, you know, and the same falls within a restoration company. Being profitable is, is not, hope is not a method. You got to be able to figure that out and you got to figure out what you're doing. Training is what I, you know, when I talk about how I turned our company around, it is the biggest needle mover that I can say worked. And that was putting in formal training for estimators, project managers, project. We've, we've trained everybody all the way down to our receptionists, field guys, everything. I wanted them all on the same sheet of music and having that ability for them to communicate, understand the terminology together, understand why certain processes and procedures were being done, why that person had to have this done. It's the biggest needle mover you'll get. It's the biggest return on investment you'll get. It, you know, when you look at different POM scores or you look at different profitability, 
everything we did within a couple of months, we saw, of course, we trained everybody. I mean, literally, I had everybody in my company except for two or three that didn't want to do it. And you know what? They eventually left because they, they didn't want the structure. Yep. And But everybody who engaged in it, it was a game changer. Um, our jobs became more profitable. And when I say more profitable, I mean more profitable. You know, I'm talking going from six or seven percent in a reconstruction project to 15. Um, from going from a POM score, if you if contract connection on that portion of it, going from a, like a 3.25 to a four, over four. Um, when you start talking about our company scorecard, where we're talking about driving in new business, understanding the confidence, our our you know surveys went from being I think when I took the company over is like. 2.4 out of five on Google. Yeah, that's a great score, right? <laughs> and to where we to where we went to a 4.5. And you know that and that is the difference. That is your ROI you're gonna get, you know, and it's it's very measurable, it's very um enlightening. And when it comes on for aha moments are for everything for people when they get trained. Mm-hmm. Because it gives them validation of their knowledge or they answer questions that they, I can't, I don't want to answer that question. I should know that I'm a PM. I should not, you know, and I ask a lot of questions and when I, we ask them, they're like, I don't know the answer to that <laughs> because, you know, and so now then when they get that understanding, then they are truly a subject matter expert and it raises your level and it raises your culture. It raises everybody's, you know, confidence level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's my take on it. I mean, but I've been, I've received a lot of training in my life and I value it and I invest in it in my corporation. It's every company I have on it. And um, it is definitely a return on investment. And I think that's what the in- restoration industry is lacking. But yep. outside of the mitigation, WRT, stuff like that. Yeah. What should the cadence of training like this be? How often should it be? I don't think it's a one and done deal, right? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, you know, we've tried to hit a balance on that. You know, um, it, it depends on the individual to tell you the truth. Sure. It really does. It also depends on what changes in the industry. You know, the more experience you get, the more, you know, things you can be able to handle. You know, I just had a guy that we just had a guy come in, had a couple of them actually, <laughs> and that took our training and, you know, they were like, what? I've been doing this for 25 years and I've never heard of that. And, you know, and I'm like, okay. Well, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's why we're doing that. Because then they connect to aha moment. And then one guy says, well, I've been doing this for 25 years. I would never, ever do that. And that's, and I said, well, that's probably part of the, I'm glad we figured out the problem now. So we don't have to do it the next 20 years and keep losing money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, we have a course that, you know, we try to put into it, you know, our, our project estimator courses, uh, 36 hours, I think it is. And that's more than just estimating. It goes into customer service and the aspects of mm-hmm. those soft skills, people skills in yep. there that helps do that. And that's just a base level. Once you finish that, you have a certification. Our project management course is 48 hours. Our project coordinator is 30 hours. And that's your base level. Once you get that base level, then, you know, I think there's always the aspect that you got to apply it. You're always going to have something you learn in that on that other job because no job is no two jobs are the same. And then, you know, we require every three years, you get a certain amount of training to help refine those skills. And, you know, if you're a project manager, I really think you should be, you receive some estimator training. If you're an mm-hmm. estimator, I really think you should have some project manager training. So enhancing those skills, learning those, the bigger picture is going to make you a better 
better industry professional and a true subject matter expert in what you're providing. Yes. All right. I want to loop back around to our initial conversation about turning around a failing business. So if people are listening to this and they're like, yeah, we've got some of those red flags and I can tell that we're maybe not heading in a good direction. What's the first step when you suspect that maybe things are going awry or things are going off the rails? What should restorers do first? You got to have open mind. You got to realize that maybe you're the problem. And <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times the problem is the owner or the general manager or the leader in that department. Um, and so you've got to, you've got to be able to identify a problem. This goes into another adversity speech I give and something that, you know, I, I coined it, you know, when I was going through special forces training as a green beret in my selection, you know, you got to be able to identify the threat. You got to eliminate the threat and you got to Charlie Mike. And a lot of people are like, what the hell is this Charlie Mike thing? Well, it's a, you know, it's, it's short for, it's a, um, have you ever heard of the phonetic alphabet? C is for yep. Char Charlie, you know, yep. C is for Charlie, Mike, M is for Mike. Yep. And really what that means is continue the mission. Once you get rid of the, once you identify the problem, get rid of the problem, then you go ahead and you can get, you can get back on track. And so you got to have open mind. You've got to be able to have the ability and the transparency to identify the problem. Most mm -hmm. people don't identify the problem. They identify a symptom. And, you know, you got to ask why sometimes five times, five, six times to really get to the root of what the cause is. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, once, once you have that mindset and you can identify what the true problem is, then at that point you can, you can come up with a course of action. And I would say not you as the owner, you've got to employ your leadership team. It has to have buy-in because it's real simple for an owner to come in. We're doing this today. Okay, great. Why? There's no understanding behind it. You're, you're not going to get the buy-in. And, you know, in my companies, we do a little thing called IDS. And, you know, it's a issue discussion solutions. And I, you know, we've got to figure out what the first problem is. And then I want to know, you know, what is your, what, what is your solution? Do you have one? Do you have one? We'll take all those and we will put them together and we'll figure out which one is the best we think. And a lot of times it morphs into a, a combined solution. And, but you got to have the expertise to figure that out. Right. Yeah. Or to at least orchestrate that because most of the time, if you've got really the right people, the right seat and good leaders, then you'll find out the problem, get to it. Um, yeah. I find that most people don't know how to orchestrate that and allow that put down the body armor to where they can take a few hits there and, and eat a little humble pie. Put on the body armor. Yes. Gain some humility <laughs> and let's get to work. Perfect. Right. All right. Anything else that you want to share? And I want to tell people where to find you. If they want to know more about Trifecta, more about you, more about project management, estimating courses, where do people find you? Sure. So first of all, we're on the web. TrifectaGrowthInstitute.com is yep. there. We're, we're on Facebook. We're also on LinkedIn. Um, but with our, on our webpage, we have our certifications uh, program on there for both estimator project manager and project coordinator. We have a course kicking off in uh, January. I think it's January 12th is the first day of that one. We also have numerous workshops there. Uh, if you go to the website, just click on training. That'll tell you where our first quarter is. Uh, if you click on certification, it's going to give you a detailed piece of the certification aspect of it. And then also, if you click on about, you'll see what I'm talking about, what our philosophy is on how we, how we work with businesses. And that is addressing those six different components of business within the within that uh, functional triangle of business as well. And then if you really need help, you know, we have a thing called the restoration operating system. And that's where we help come in and put these things in place for you, help you. We don't do them for you, but we help guide you to it. 
to where Europe, your company will function at a high level. Perfect. All right. Anything else, Rod? Anything we didn't talk about that we should we should talk about? You know, I could talk about this all day long and there's a ton of examples and, yep. uh, but no, I really appreciate the time. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think it's, uh, we're passionate about it and um, really appreciate the opportunity to be with uh, you guys at CNR Magazine. Well, thanks, Rod. And thank you again for your service. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. That sounds great. For more restoration today, visit our website, cnrmagazine.com or find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.